Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from iLikeYou.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at iLikeYou.com. Now, let's get started. Well, hello, everybody. This is kind of getting to be the new normal, I guess, so to speak. Everybody doing something from home. Good thing I've got pussy willows in behind me so I don't have to water them and I won't kill them like I do most flowers. But uh, you know what? We are in a very interesting week here in Winnipeg, Manitoba. We have a lot of things that have opened up. So we're going to hear firsthand from some of the institutions that got to open up this week. And also we are going to celebrate volunteers and volunteers from all sectors. And these are the people that truly make up Winnipeg and Manitoba. And we always want to remain friendly Manitobans. So we are going to celebrate all of you that have volunteered in this great year and and many more years to come. So let's invite all of the wonderful ladies and here is the Hue virtual chat for Tuesday, May 5th. Hello, hi Kelly. Hi Charlotte. Hi Maureen. Hi Nanette, and there's Catherine and there's Susie. Hello, hello. How is everybody? Hi. Hi. So far so good. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Oh, and Kirsten's here too. Great. Well, um, you know what? I have some familiar faces and I do have some new ones. So I'm just going to go and say hello to Kelly Thornton. Thank you so much for joining us, Kelly. And uh, wow, quite a year for you, hasn't it been? (laughs) Not anything what you expected at the beginning. Maybe just uh, need to unmute. Oh, there you go. We got you now. I think I'm muted. Can you hear me? Yep, can hear you now. Fantastic. Uh, Yeah, this time last year I was packing up to drive across the country and start my dream job. (laughs) And (laughs) I said, I think it would have been a crazy, uh, a crazy experience if it was this, you know, this, this crisis was happening as I entered the the job. At least I had, I had a fantastic season. Right up March 13th, uh, we were really flying high and having a great season. So, you know, I, 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 I say now, you know, I thought I was brought here for, you know, like, you know, one, you know, the big dream of like, you know, putting my stamp on things and, and bringing great theater to the city. And now I realize I'm here to, to guide the company through the crisis with Camilla. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a pretty surreal time for us, but you know, I, you have to kind of accept it and plan for uh, the various scenarios of the future, as I'm sure all of our, all of my colleagues on the, on this Zoom well, chat will, will reveal. We're all kind of 
trying to prepare for multiple scenarios and and accepting every day as it comes. <laughs> yeah, no, and we'll get into this because now it's great. It's just trying to figure, okay, figuring out what's the next step or what's it going to look like and everybody can second guess. But um, just to fill you ladies in is that Kelly um, is the artistic director for the Royal Mantle Theatre Centre. When she came, it was like a one-two punch with her and Camilla, females right up there. And uh, I, like she said, a very exciting season. And now that all of this happened, I guess, um, Kelly, what was, what was it like when you had to make that decision to shut down? Or was it just like a, a no-brainer? Like, You know, it was March, March 13th, Friday the 13th. I think, uh, <laughs> I think we will all remember that day. Um, you, our, our, our show, A Thousand Splendid Sons, was on the stage, ready to tech. It was, every, all the actors were in their costumes for the dress rehearsal. Um, and, you know, we were upstairs. Our colleagues in, um, in Alberta at the Citadel Theatre in, in Edmonton, the night before, had shut down As You Like It, which was on our stage in January. Um, and I was like, wow, <laughs> that's a major moment. Like... But I don't think, I, I think it was, it, it, everything moved so quickly on, on the 13th of March that, you know, we started in the morning thinking one thing and promising that, you know, we're going to keep our, keep our eye on, on, uh, on the news. Um, and by, by four o'clock, we had to cancel the show. And there was a lot of tears, a, a lot of, uh, just a, it's, it's a very painful thing. You know, art is, is, uh, it's beautiful and fragile and perfect and we were so ready to launch it to the world and 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 then everybody had to just be sent home so it, and then you know two weeks later we were we were looking into the future of of starting the rehearsals for legend of georgia mcbride and we knew that 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 was going down too and march 13th seems like you know seven years ago now yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it, it it's amazing how quickly the world has changed and adapted to this new normal. And well, then, the fringe, you know, the fringe went down. Recently. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that, because, I mean, that, I mean, is like what hundreds of volunteers look forward to, you know, in the summer, you know. Yeah. You know, I was talking to Chuck this morning because I said, yeah. you know, I really want to I want to give some numbers to just to see the scope of the volunteerism. So Chuck sent me some num some numbers. He said there's 827 volunteers in the Fringe Festival covering 4,719 shifts for a total of 18,750 hours. So that's a lot of volunteer power. Um, yeah. And that's just in the Fringe. I mean, we have we have 750 uh, volunteers in our main stage and warehouse season. So uh, certainly disappointing a lot of, you know, beyond the artists, the volunteers and, and the general community that looks forward to the fringe and, and looks forward to all the festivals that, that yeah. our, our city well, has to offer in the summer. Well, we've got some uh, really big thinkers. So I think, you know, before we leave today, maybe we'll have an idea on what we can do to celebrate and, you know, give a little bit back to these volunteers to make them feel like, you know, that their work is very much appreciated and we'll go forward. But uh, I'm going to open it up to somebody that's got a very exciting week this week, right, Catherine? Catherine's from Hi. Hi. <laughs> so no doubt it's been a little chaotic at the art gallery for this okay. opening. It's been hectic. Um, you know, we were really, really pleased to be able to um, 
move quickly after the announcement from the provincial government last week with the, some of the restrictions being um, raised. But um, yeah, it's, it's been an effort. We had a plan in place. And I think the thing about the WEG is it's such a big space that we are able to maintain the, the physical distancing, but we're also able to take out those high touch areas of the exhibitions where, you know, depending on how your building is set up, that's easier for some than others. And so, um, yeah, we're just um, this morning at 10 and starting with um, a free opportunity for frontline workers. We really wanted to do something, just something small to um, really express our gratitude for everything they've been doing and are doing during this time. And then opening to the public on Thursday, but you'll see there's, you know, markers set up. Um, we have to limit the number of people. It's 10 square meters per person in the building and that includes staff. So a lot of, I'm at home right now, um, yeah. going in this afternoon, yeah. but yeah, just, um, I'm glad that, that we could, that we could, um, you, there's, there's so little right now to do. So to be able to provide a, a place where the community can come for inspiration, right. Yeah, and then I guess you're going to be having a lot of the permanent collection on display. Yes. Yeah, so that'll be nice too. So uh, yeah, because that's again, it's supposed to be a, a stellar year for the art gallery. The you know the opening of the Inuit Art Center. And, yeah, like I mean that's well, in so many like just looking at the people on this call. Um, yeah, the the we were when we closed, we were just about to open this show um, celebrating LL Fitzgerald who is Manitoba's member of the group of seven and he's um, a really does captivating paintings we've got some of his drawings and it was like opening in two weeks so that's actually ready to go and it's a partnership with the McMichael um, art collection oh, cool. in Ontario well, that's, that's um, so it is our nod to Manitoba 150 but we had a huge show called a hard birth looking at the Métis perspective and that one we hadn't started installing yet and it's an expensive show but luckily we've been able to um, postpone it to 2022. So okay. it's not canceled, it's just yeah. Uh, postponed. Yeah. And but now, yeah, in the meantime, bringing out more from the collection, which is great yeah. because you know the community's collection. So it's, uh, yeah, there's lots to draw on there for sure. And we're kind of looking at ways to hopefully engage some artists in um, and celebrating what they've been able to do during these times of isolation. Yes, I know. Like, there's got to be some inspiration from all of this, too, as well. Yeah. yeah. And then, so now I'd like to say hi to Maureen. I haven't seen you for ages. She represents uh, the Canadian Museum of Human Rights. And Maureen, you're not opening, correct? Or not right away? Yeah, we're not opening right away. Um, I guess we want to take our time and make sure that we've got mm -hmm. opening everything safely for our staff and for visitors. Um, I'm really impressed that the WAG's able to jump off the mark. So we'll be looking at what they're able to do and copying you on all your successes as you go forward. But I agree with Catherine that I think that, you know, there's people need the arts and culture at this time as uh, for their mental health. I mean, as a place to go and get new perceptions, reflection and, and, just get out of the house for crying out loud we've been in here so long and so when we do open we also are a very large space so that's yeah. thankfully we can 
create those opportunities for social distancing as well. But uh, yeah, we're going to, we're probably going to be opening closer to the end of June, start of July kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Because you do have a lot of interactive galleries yeah. and, and it's just managing people through that because people yeah. will stop for a while, right. To, to read or if they're doing a tour, it's not like you can just kind of keep on, on moving kind of thing. Question for right. you. Um, so I'm trying wondering... different things with flow, you know, and yeah. plus I just want to follow up on the touch screens. I mean, unlike the WAG uh, would have some of that, but we've got just hundreds of touch screens. And so um, they'll be off when we first open until we yeah. think of innovative things like maybe giving each person their own touch pin that they would oh, hand yeah. in at the end or something like that. Um, so we'll have we've got lots of art, lots of video, lots of point at things that can still be open, but it'll be a very different museum experience at first. Oh, I know. Well, you have a gallery uh, dedicated to COVID and <laughs> the pandemic. I don't <laughs> think we can get isolation. it. That's not a bad idea, but these things take time, so it sure wouldn't be right off the hop. No, uh, we'll get back onto it. So Charlotte, hi. Good morning, Tracy. Good morning, and thank you for making all those wonderful connections. I will be busy on, on doing that and getting some more people on here. So this might tweak, uh, help Kelly and maybe, um, well, obviously Catherine, we've had uh, talks. Fundraisers now. Okay, galas are out, um, and the way of how people are going to uh, donate, right? And, and what does that look like to still have a gathering? Um, I'm just uh, kind of comes to mind on the email that you sent me that uh, Robin Priest uh, did, spoke at the uh, Schizophrenia Gala, and it was a virtual gala. So how did that work, and you know, how do you still manage to keep that kind of environment, you know? I mean, because we all love galas, and you know, the black and white ball, and you know, the, the art gallery ball, I mean, those are standards people look forward to. Well, the, uh, the Manitoba Schizophrenia Society had their Iris Gala virtually on Saturday night. And um, similar to what um, Kelly was saying is all of a sudden it was like shut down like MTC. Um, and then what, what to do? So the donors and the contributors were really great about, you know, keeping their money flowing. It wasn't an interactive gala per se where um, like this, like the Zoom, it was just you logged on, you, you watched the pre-recorded messages, and uh, then you could bid on the auction. And uh, I, I was really pleased at the monies that were raised, and uh, the donors really stepped up. Um, so we were very, very thankful for that. Um, they're, as every other organization, it's an important one, um, the work that they do in the community for mental health, and especially with them going really strong into peer support um, for all mental illness. Um, that's their new mandate, as well as supporting those who have schizophrenia and family members. Um, but the messaging continually was, this is the only year we're ever doing this. Like this, you know, we want to go back to the old, you know, we want the connectivity of people getting together. I mean, all those things that were missed. Um, and the comments were, were heartfelt and, and uh, missing missing seeing everybody so oh, I know well I even the opportunity to do this is like wow it's you know just that one one step of oh my god seeing you know different faces other than my family you know for the last seven weeks so um Susie we're also gonna we're out, I want to talk to you about volunteers now we celebrated Kelly had incredible numbers you know of how many hours of volunteering Catherine you know Maureen you know I mean all of these uh places 
value their volunteers. Now in this new kind of environment, Susie, what do you think um, the, the whole kind of willingness to give, to volunteer your time now, will there kind of be more of a distancing? Or we will all, it will all become the same and we'll be friendly Manitobans, support everything. I think that we're really lucky here in that we do have such an involved and dedicated volunteer base. And I'm sure that if we did a Venn diagram of all the people who volunteer at the various places, we'd see a lot of overlap in terms of who those giving people are, right? And I was actually thinking about volunteers yesterday on my, my walk and um, just thinking about how much they contribute to everything that happens in this province and how heartsick they must be missing all the things that they love to do as well. You know, whether it's Folk Fest and MTC, Fringe Fest, all those things, Folklorama, all those things run on the power of volunteers, really. And um, I think, you know, we said last week that um, in this new reality that we're going to have post COVID, I think we are going to see, like everyone said, I miss seeing people. I think you're going to see more people step up to be volunteers and to be there for these organizations that are run by volunteers and they're the lifeblood of these places. And in the sense of, you know, we need to keep these places going. We've seen how you know, arts and culture and music have sustained us during this time. And that's one way that we can give back as well as, you know, monetary donations. But that connection with that organization and giving back and being, you know, uh, a part of it and helping other people feel at home in these organizations and in these spaces, I think will be really important to some. Wow. Well, yeah, I think so too. And I don't know, ladies, um, I mean, oh, Kelly, what was the consensus or have, have you done a consensus or, a, a, you know, kind of a questionnaire or, or feeler for the volunteers? I mean, they're pretty, they're pretty dedicated and I don't think they'll. Uh, press your, press your, you're muted again. Sorry. Um, we did an event in the fall um with volunteers just before like late fall november uh, a volunteer appreciation night and they made me a, a cookbook <laughs> of all so all of them of you know handwritten recipes um so these are like passionate people and they were coming up to me different people introducing themselves to me saying you know i've been a volunteer for 40 years uh i've been a, a volunteer you know like i knew john hirsch uh the founder of mtc so these are people that like, it's been their lifeblood, you know, th yeah. this is, this has been their lives. So, um, you know, I feel for them. I wrote after, after we canceled the fringe, I, I was like, I need to reach out to the volunteer base, both the main stage and warehouse plus the, the, yeah. the fringers, just because I know they, they must be suffering. Um, you know, I think, I think, uh, Passion is one thing, and I think health is the other, and, and some of them uh, uh, um, are older. And, and so, you know, there's a vulnerability in terms of their age group uh, that, that is real. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think we now have this kind of reflex inside of us to have this social distance. I, I walk a lot in my neighborhood, and, and we just kind of naturally back away from each other. So I think, I think our bodies are starting to be really trained to understand how to to not get too close, but you know, like theater is a, it's a different, it's a, a very different beast than, than opening the museums and I, yeah. and the, and the galleries. I, I, I envy you guys because 
getting 800 people into into the main stage theater is is a bigger challenge for us um mm -hmm. and it certainly won't be you know probably even the second wave of openings um but yeah like i i i think the volunteers will be back for sure because the, the you know when we're when we're allowed to gather again and we feel safe yeah. I know that they'll come back in droves because they've been they've been with the institution for as long as they can remember and they love theater. So well, that's and, and it's true what you say, Susie, that they are they they're a moving uh, volunteer core between so many different organizations. There's overlap with these volunteers that they they really give so much to Winnipeg um, in so many different organizations. So it's pretty pretty profound what they what they mm -hmm. offer to us. Well, we only hope to because I know that in the arts and culture, the volunteer age age bracket is older, you, you know, and it, and we're always struggling to find the young ones. So um, maybe Maureen, because I'll switch over to the Human Rights Museum, you know, finding volunteers and finding that younger group that is going to take the torch and keep it going. That's a big secret, uh, you know, that's a big secret to success for this whole volunteer movement. How does it go work at the Human Rights Museum? Oh, we really don't have that many much problem getting those kind of volunteers. Um, like everyone else, I'd say there's a big core base that are a bit older, um, retired and wanting to give back. But I think perhaps the nature of the subject matter of the museum, um, there's a lot of young people who are very interested in social justice and human rights. And these days as well, most students need volunteer experience for their resumes, et cetera. Um, and so we try lots of different things in summers. Um, you know, we even had younger teenagers, uh, the uh, children of staff members were able to volunteer when they were like 15 and that. So, so important, that diversity. Also getting people with um, different abilities in as volunteers yes, yeah. is super important. And that's a, another focus that we're really trying to uh, see so that people can come and sort of see themselves reflected um, diversity and uh, you know, racial diversity, gender diversity, all that kind of thing is important. Yes, well, we, yeah, we definitely have to point our attention to those groups too. Nanette, you've got uh, some teens now. I mean, I volunteering, you know all about it, but um, how do your kids feel about volunteering? Oh, they love, they love volunteering. My, uh, my daughter, in fact, she started at the dance studio, like this is a smaller scale, of course, at the dance studio, she volunteers as an assistant um, in the classes and, and now she's gone up to actually being part of the junior staff and she's working her way up that way. It's a really great way to get your foot in when you really want to get it in touch with the organization and and um, you know is see how it runs, mm -hmm. see where you can fit, see where you can help, mm -hmm. and and work your way into that. Um, but going back to uh, uh, teens volunteering in the bigger sense, uh, Grant Park, where my children go, is uh, it's we're very much into performing arts. My daughter's a dancer, and she. Um, she and many of her castmates were absolutely heartbroken when um, we, we had a production of Hello Dolly that we were preparing for. And uh, oh, when we had to cancel that, the, the kids were just absolutely devastated. And, but this is also a really great group of kids who are very outgoing, who are, uh, you know, who, who would love to keep at that, um, the arts, uh, keep their keep their foot in the door keep them keep them active in that and so 
they are a great, like they would, if they knew how to get into volunteering in uh, different, uh, like, you know, for the fringe, for um, the art gallery, for, you know, uh, theater center, absolutely, they would be right in there. This is a really large group of kids. And um, yeah, if, if we could find a way to get the word out to them and let them know, hey, this is where you can go to get your fix. <laughs> because I know many of them are, oh, they, they really, once everything is, is okay again, uh, this is a really strong group of kids who would really like to get out there and uh, get, get into the environment again, for sure. Well, we'll get you connected with Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> hey Kelly. <laughs> there's there's yeah. your problem solved with all the young people. Um, yes. um you know what I guess to the whole idea of volunteering and commitment, but I mean even like Kristen, it's the mental health and wellness too, right? And um, you know, we're talking to about being isolated and and you know crossing the street when somebody else is crossing and you know, do you think that some of us will have kind of trepidation, you know, once we're out of this and, and trying to get back or. Um. Yeah, I, I think absolutely. I think um, we're going to be watching to see uh, what everybody else is doing around us for mm -hmm. sure. And, um, you know, touching on that volunteer end of things, um, a volunteer opportunity uh, is such a gift to someone who, um, has struggled with some uh, mental health concerns and is starting to uh, find their ground and, and get comfortable in certain settings again. Um, you know, whether there's so many great organizations you can volunteer, somehow that idea of volunteering, getting yourself back in the world um, is less daunting as, you know, having that job where you've got to be there at a certain time. And um, so I, I think that piece is, is going to be missed um, as well, yeah. when people are, are trying to find their new normal and, and people are trying to um, kind of get back to that new normal. Um, and, you know, as far as the young people go, I, so interesting, uh, talking about the social justice, there's so many fantastic young people that are so committed to social justice. I, I have a 22-year-old who is all about that. And um, oh, she has been volunteering since middle school, like everything she could get her hands on. And then life gets a little busier and they have, they have less time. Um, but um, yeah, I love hearing about the young volunteers and, and people that are still trying to, to make a difference. And I'm, I'm sad for them that that opportunity isn't going to be there for a little while or not like it was. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm wondering, ladies, will our values change? Catherine, will your values change? What's important? Maybe we'll just appreciate being out a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, just echoing what everyone said, that volunteers are really the heart and soul of the WAG and really had a lot to do with getting, you know, some of the big institutions started in the first place. Mm -hmm. They were, like, basically run by volunteers up until we got big enough to have more staff and um, really laid the groundwork for many of our um, programs like school programs, the shop, um, and just recognizing the the power of art and culture to benefit the community. And so, um, we've been staying in touch. And Tracy, you're an amazing volunteer for the WAG, and it was so lovely to see um, 
Ainsley Cockshot and Henny Corrin on your series uh, recently because they've also just, um, you know, to bring that creativity and bring this outside perspective in to make an organization or a group more relevant to the community. Henny, um, actually with Hazel Boris, reactivated um, Art and Bloom couple of years ago, this like major floral art extravaganza, and it was really community led. So they're bringing events that, you know, we'd never be able to do for everyone to enjoy without. And so um, we've been really happy to see and, and, and to see um, what, what MTC and CMHR have done in terms of their digital programs during this time. It's, it's so inspiring. And we've been doing the same with WAG at home. And I've been noticing a lot of the volunteers are some of the ones who are um, really engaging most with content. I know Ainsley basically had a whole gallery of her at-home creations and just so um, uplifting to see. And um, so, so that's certainly been one way to stay connected during this time. Yeah. Um, and then sorry, getting back to Kelly now, I, we're, we haven't even touched on the actors, the acting community that have now, a lot of them have lost, lost their livelihoods. I mean, you know, especially with the fringe, so many of those outside things that are, have happened. How have, what can we do or what has happened to that community? Are they, you know, doing stuff online? I mean, doing little, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I, I think it's been, uh, I, I think initially there was a, a huge worry in the, in, um, in the performing arts because they're very vulnerable actors. They, they are not, uh, they're independent contractors. And so they're not usually able to access um, employment insurance. And so, you know, I had multiple colleagues that had, you know, suddenly $75,000 just dropped out of their, their year um, because they had, you know, consecutive gigs lined up. Um, and so luckily CERB uh, uh, came into effect and, and that, that lifted that community uh, of actors that were, were really facing into the unknown, into what food banks, I, I, and to lose their houses. And, you know, these are working people with families. So, yeah. so I was really relieved that there was government support for, for them and that they could access um, uh, a kind of employment insurance for them right. to keep going. Uh, you know, I think uh, artists are being creative all around the world in terms of, you know, putting themselves uh, online, doing things. Uh, yeah, MTC launched Backstage in the Peg last week, which is like a kind of pan Winnipeg theater arts magazine um, to celebrate the community uh, uh, as a whole. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think, I think, you know, I, I, I know there's a multitude of, you know, uh, Zoom readings and Zoom performances that you can tune into. I think everyone craves back, being back in a room. I was actually... Um, you know, going for a walk the other day. And I just, I just started crying because I, I thought I, I envisioned myself doing my first curtain speech uh, on the John Hirsch main stage, the, the, the first performance back. And I just, I just started weeping because I, I, I just think that is going to be the most magical moment for people to, to be able to be together again and to experience theater for the actors too, because, you know, 
the living arts is uh, is very different than than you know film. To yeah. be, it, you're in constant communication with your audience, and it's a communal experience. It's it's a it's an exchange between the actors and the audience that is like nothing else, um, and you can't get it in Zoom. Um, <laughs> you can get parts of performance, and you can get parts of the art in, in, inside of our screens, but you can't you can't get that hit that is immediate where our you know i'm sure you've heard this before but you know your heart rate starts the, the heart rate of eight, 800 people starts to beat together um right. and and that's a really important uh thing that is missing for people and people's lives right now so you know and kelly i think it's safe to say that we'll all be crying with you I know. I, I, feel I like cry everyone. already. I cry at everything. I cry at the symphony. I cry at Rainbow Stage, like already before. So when this, <laughs> yeah, now we're just gonna ball our eyes out while we watch. No, no mascara. With joy in our hearts. Yeah. I want to. I want to know what was the speech? What was? What was your part? What was your speech? What's you my? What's yeah. my opening speech? Yeah. Oh, just you know, it, it was like literally just the words "Welcome back." Like I just you know we we are so um you know i think we're all suffering from like low-grade depression situational kind of depression from from what has happened and and not being able to actually mentally process it all because i mean we've all done our part and, and retracted from our society and and we're sheltering in place but it, it we're suffering through it quietly we have grief uh, that we can't be together um and so, yeah, just it, like literally the words welcome back. Uh, I'm so pleased to welcome everybody into like, you know, it seems surreal and, but it's, uh, it, the day will come um, and hopefully sooner than later, you know, like we're, we're obviously, we're very lucky. I, I, you know, I, I moved from Toronto to here and, and it, Toronto's a very, you talk to, I talk to colleagues in Toronto and they are, they have a very different mindset. Like we are, we're very lucky to be in Winnipeg. We have, you know. Well, they're not even open yet. <laughs> I know, and we have so few cases now, and I think we yeah. we got behind it so quickly uh, yeah. with only three cases reporting at that point that, you know, on May, on March 13th, that I, I, I think, I feel like we can recover sooner than some places in this, in this country. Um, and, you know, I have to, I have to remain positive and focused that, that we are gonna, I know we will come back in droves because from moving here, from being an outsider to Winnipeg and coming back to Winnipeg, uh, coming into Winnipeg, just I'm blown away at the the commitment and passion of, you know, the volunteer corps and the audiences and the philanthropists. This is a community that has, uh, you know, is so proud of the arts and culture in, in the city. Um, and they, you know, I think I'm, I'm sure we all know how, how our supporters are rallying around us and sending us emails and, and, you know, I still have subscribers subscribing, um, and, and donors donating. And that's, that's a community that is like committed to the success of our, our organizations into the future. So, well, I, yeah. And well, you know what, if we can get on the board and open all of the arts and culture before the sports, then... <laughs> <laughs> but we might get that little yeah yeah Maureen's giving a thumbs up so Charlotte so now spinning off of what Kelly said that we're all kind of in this semi kind of depression 
the D word. What is, what are your feelings and comments? Well, Kirsten and Robin and I talk a lot with um, the peer supporters that we have been training or we're supporting that this is the, um, the great leveler. It's the whole world has experienced some form of mental health challenge through this. And we, and so many of us truly believe that there's going to be more empathy towards those who are struggling going forward because um, those comments of, you know, just snap out of it or just go for a walk, you'll feel better, have new meaning with so many more people who have gone through struggles themselves. Um, and it's also a big time for people who've struggled to come forward and say, hey, you know, I've been living with this for so long and I have some tools and techniques and some ideas that maybe will help support those who are going through depression and mental health challenges for the first time ever. So um, the, uh, the peer movement and the mental health orgs are, are championing um, that there's more conversation, stigma is decreasing, um, lots of great stuff is coming out. Um, so we're pulling the gems out of this pandemic um, in the mental health world. And then we go back to that, um, changing the languaging around instead of saying like this, the social distancing, you know, we're saying social connected connectedness in spite of physical distancing. So really trying to stay communicative um, together through Zoom or, or phone calls or whatever, just to stay um, socially connected, so. Well, Catherine, too, um, the Maud Lewis exhibition, it'd be, it'd be great to yeah. yeah, like, so give us a little bit of a, if there's any updates and what's gonna happen with that. Ooh, we're just right in the thick of it right now. This is another big show um, on loan from the McMichael Gallery, and um, it's celebrating Maude Lewis, who was better known as a folk artist, but just a, a very talented artist who did deal a lot with mental health, and she grew up in Nova Scotia, so we thought, you know, just considering all the, the tragic events um, from a week or so ago, how relevant this show would be. It was scheduled to open in January, and we're kind of just um, trying to figure out if what the what the dates will be. Uh, yes. We'll know soon, but um, certainly we're hoping it'll still come. Yeah, and on some good news, oh Kelly, I wanted to say congratulations to Kimberly Rampersad. I think Kimberly is like gone to Stratford now, so that's no, a big she's, she was named the associate artistic director of the Shaw Festival. Oh, the Shaw Festival, wonderful! Yeah. And she's a she was at Grand Park. Hi. Kimberly. <laughs> That's how old I am because I remember when she was just starting out. But yeah, I, I saw that a while back and that's such great news, you know, yeah. and all of this. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, so I'm going to switch gears. What do you, what did, how did you spend your Monday? Did you go out to a patio? <laughs> did you go to a hairstylist? <laughs> Susie's going, no, no. Like, is this too Actually, soon? I actually canceled. I had a hair appointment for today. Yeah. Uh, my stylist, because I was on the day that she, the first day that she canceled, I was on the first list of people to call when she, when her yeah. salon reopened. Yeah. And um, I initially said, yes, I would, I would take the appointment because I just didn't know, you know, what all of this would mean. And I thought, okay, like I have an appointment later on this month, if any, if anything changes. And I actually texted her last night and said, you know what? I can't do it. 
I said, I'm sorry. I said, I just don't feel right. It, it's not, I just don't feel safe enough. I have an immunocompromised person in my immediate household. Oh, and yeah. you know what? The grays, they're right there, ladies. Look at that. See? And you know what? It's just, it's not important enough. It's just not. And I'm still only leaving the house for essentials, which is like grocery shopping. And um, yeah, I mean, for me, I'm still, I'm still not comfortable with whatever whatever normal they're trying to make us um, think is happening right now, still not happening for me. Yeah. I was thinking about that today because the museum actually did a social media postings on Twitter and Facebook yesterday saying patios are open today. What are you worried about? I saw what that. are you hopeful for? And there was quite a good response, but quite a lot of people were going, no, stay home. And it makes you think, Obviously, after two months of people saying, stay home, stay home, stay home, and you're internalizing that, you can't just switch gears and pivot and go, yeah, I'm out there supporting the businesses. Yep. So for all of us, contemplating opening, there's that fine balance, right, between what do we offer? Or, and if we do, is anyone going to even come? Because you got to... You know, it's, it's a very mental process going on here. So, yeah. so I've, I'm just glad that I decided to let my gray grow out before the season. Exactly. <laughs> See, there we go. ahead of the curve, Maureen. Yeah. Oh, Nanette, I love it, Nanette. Yes, she's, she's deaf. No shame. Oh, well, you know what? I know I, I did an Instagram poll on my story yesterday and asked everyone else, you know, as everything opened, I said, are you, do you have a hair appointment booked this week? And, or are you going to take a hair appointment? Whatever it was. And 90, over 90% of people said no. Wow. So I was impressed by that. And um, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of people like Maureen said, who are on that same page that are just like, nope, it's too soon. It's, it's only for essentials that people are going out. And I think that's great that, you know, like Kelly said, or Catherine said, like, we're lucky to live here because people have gotten the message. And I think that's a really good thing. No, that's true. I was just wondering, what if, I mean, I think theater, you're right, Kelly, and, you know, the sporting events are going to be the last to actually probably open. Do you feel that there's going to be some new restrictions? Like, do you think that maybe the audience number is limited? Maybe, you know, you're not sitting right up front of the stage, you're sitting further back, you know, there's going to be that kind of feeling. Museums like the Human Rights Museum and the WAG, like, they're, they're much larger, um, facilities, but I'm just wondering, I don't know. We all love live concerts and live performances and theaters. What do you think, Kelly? Yeah, uh, you know, I know the concert hall, uh, the government asked us to prepare, you know, uh, you know, how is your, what, what's your map for reopening? What, what would you, what procedures would you have in place and protocols? Um, and you know, I know the, the, the concert hall tried to kind of, you know, talk about a socially distanced audience, uh, you know, everybody's three seats apart. It gets, it, it's more challenging than it seems though. Uh, number one, I, we have to rehearse a show. So you're putting, you know, a team of actors, sometimes 20 actors together in a room, um, rehearsing a musical. I mean, there's, you know, the stories of, of uh, the choir that, everyone attended that in the States and they all got sick. Uh, so it's, it's a lot, it, it's easy to put that down on paper, but really to, to, you know, if you have to go to the bathroom and you're in the middle of the row, yeah. like, how do you, how do you get out? <laughs> or somebody starts coughing. It's like, a, it's a, oh, I know. Yeah. Everybody, then everybody leaves. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I, I think I, I, I have my doubts that socially distanced theater can actually work um, because you then you have to funnel them through the the lobby and it's impo it's impossible to funnel 800 people through a lobby unless you have like waves of arrival time like like on an airplane you know you're in section a b or c and you arrive at a certain time but all of that is like it's a logistical nightmare and uh it's you know obviously we we're running the numbers we're doing you know we're doing our due diligence in terms of trying to trying to see if that you know if that is actually an option right. um, I think the smaller theaters uh, like you know our warehouse stage um, or, or you know PTEs they might have a different uh, there's a different path I think for the smaller theaters but an 800 seat is our biggest obstacle in terms of can you know when will we be able to to gather at those numbers um, but you know like our season is six months out so a lot can happen in six months and I, I, you know I don't want to you know I know I know Broadway is talking about not not really regathering um, until until 21 um, yeah. but again we're in Manitoba our numbers are very different you know uh, and and so I don't want to I don't want to jump the gun and make a decision too soon uh, because I want to see how it rolls because so much happens. I mean, I think all of us have been through this where we realize like, that's why I say March 13th seems like seven years ago. Uh, you know, even, even two weeks passing seems like we know so much more than we did two weeks ago. So, uh, you know, things are going to change. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm really hopeful that the schools go back in the fall uh, because if schools go back, then I think, I think we can, we can you get know. through this, yeah. I'm yeah, not but but I'm also realistic. Like I know there's a study in the states that uh, surveyed audiences, and they're different. Americans are in a different world, but they said you know 65% said that they they what would make you feel safe to return to to a theater, and they said a vaccine, 65%. So uh, that's a real number, <laughs> and that's a a reality that we might just have to face. Um, do you think we'll find? Do you think there will be a vaccine? There was ne never. There was never a vaccine for SARS. I know, and you know they're working uh, on some maybe, trials already. Yeah, yeah. which is I, good. I, I feel like people. I feel like I, I'm giving all my my good energy to the scientists of the world that are in the labs right now. Um, yeah, I, I think. I don't think this is an unprecedented time for all of us in, in the world that, that, that society has shut down globally. So I, I think, I think there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of scientists working to try and crack the code. Um, but you know, developing a vaccine also, it doesn't happen overnight. You got to do trial anyway. Well, Stay positive, people. Stay positive. Very positive. Yeah, we can hardly wait to get to the theater, and uh, we know that we can come visit the WAG, and then, you know, shortly this summer, the Human Rights Museum will open up, and, you know, I guess we can all share in on those good things. Um, I guess moving forward, though, what would your thoughts be on, I guess, what do you think your new normal will be like? Will you freely go into all of these places or will you pick and choose where you want to go as we slowly right 
clawed back. And you know what, I think, again, we'll all be fine. But I kind of look at what 9-11 did and how it affected air travel. Mm -hmm. And here we are in 2020 and we're still, like, there's still big, big time regulations. So, you know, kind of think about what you think at the end of all this, what new restrictions will be. Because there will be. You know, and the thing with that, Tracy, is that I, because I feel so um, overwhelmed already, mm -hmm. and so, you know, like, um, I can't remember who was saying it, but like, I vacillate between extreme optimism and extreme despair. So I try not to guess what the unknowns are in the sense of trying to figure out what that might be, because I feel like if I'm wrong, I'm only going to be disappointed again. Mm -hmm. And so I try to um, meter out my optimism with, you know, any little piece of news that comes out that gives me any kind of glimmer of hope to what things might look like. And like even today, there was an article about what travel might look like. And it's like, you know what, I cannot look at that right now. I just can't. We were supposed to be um, in Vancouver next week to see the Stones for our anniversary. Mm -hmm. My husband just canceled our, our, got our air miles back today. And it was just like, you know what, this is heartbreaking. I cannot give the mental energy to try to think about what might happen when they're going to tell me what is going to happen. And it's completely what I did not think of. So to me, it's an exercise in futility and energy that I need to reserve for what I do know versus what I will never know. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I think the point about travel is a good one because I mean, in an industry like ours, that's reliant on tourism and travel. And we working with our partners at uh, tourism, Winnipeg and travel Manitoba, and they're all saying, um, and I've been on a couple of webinars lately too, that agree that it's going to be stages. First, it's going to be people just visiting in their own cities. And then for a long time, just, day drives, people within a day's drive of things. So getting back to full on travel is going to take a really long time actually. And so we're going to have to focus around that new normal as well in terms of our expectations for who our visitors are and where we ourselves are going to be planning to go, eh? Yeah, no. What about you, Nanette? Oh, me, I am, oh. <laughs> I, I love this, yeah. You know, I, I live it. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I've before all of this, I've always, I'd already been very picky about where I'm going to go because I, I, I'm the kind of person that just, I don't want to waste my time, right? I, I can't just go and wander around and, um, it's, uh, and I completely agree about the travel, um, because, I'm still at that point where, okay, what if, what if I go somewhere, I travel somewhere by plane and then suddenly this thing goes out again and I'm stuck there. I mean, I, that's where my mind goes. I'm very much like Susie's like just back and forth between, well, okay, optimistic, but yeah, uh, you know, I can only take it one day at a time. Um, yeah. See where we are today. Um, no, I did not go anywhere yesterday. I did not want to, you know, it's for me getting out and, and life as usual will take a very, very, very long time. I, I'm with everyone who says this is, this is, it's still unsafe. I'm not ready. I don't think we should be opening up anytime soon. Um, I think that, uh, and, and people I associate with agree. Like 
there are, despite what everyone sees on TV, on social media, on anything, people do not want to go out. They just don't. Um, this is a big, this is a big thing. This is huge. And uh, the safety of people, the safety, personal safety is, is still first and foremost, a hundred percent. Yeah. No. <laughs> home is, home is, is good right now. <laughs> No, well, yeah, it's true. I don't know, like Kristen, too. I mean, uh, I, I'm listening to all this conversation, and um, I, I'm thinking, do I actually share that I did go out yesterday with my 19 year old daughter, and we did venture to see what was open and what was not? Um, and I think the point is, is that uh, in our society, we have a lot of people who are absolutely not ready to venture out. And, and that's a good thing. And we also have uh, some folks that are ready to venture out cautiously and see what's going on. And, and that's a good thing as well. I can tell you that um, I went to Polo Park. Everything's closed. It, yeah, it's the, it's the softest uh, reopening because nothing's open. Like out of all the stores in Polo Park, there's maybe five stores that are open and it's a, it's, nobody's there. So that's a that's a good thing. the The good news for my daughter was Urban Outfitters was open, so she was in there, <laughs> and, and that was good for her. And, uh, like, I mean, so are you allowed to touch the clothing or? Yeah. Like, yeah, you know what? They had it set up so the the entire mall, which was empty, nobody was there, um, was set up so well in the sense that um, everything had arrows. Uh, every store that you walked into, you had to sanitize your hands. Uh, all the change rooms are closed. Uh, huge 60-day re return policy. Um, so if you, you can touch it, but um, you can return it. When it returns, it sits for three days before it goes back out. So it's really, really cautious. But I think, I think this mass opening that everyone's thinking about is just not going to, it's not happening. And it's not going to be an issue and uh it's not boxing day <laughs> like it's just uh, it's not and that's because we have we have so many different personalities right for me um um i'm i'm you know i'm, I'm ready to kind of venture out cautiously a little bit but um yeah it's there's there we don't have to worry about any mass anything because everything's still closed yeah, yeah. We also have to remember there are people who need to get out for financial reasons or mental reasons or safety reasons if their home isn't a safe place. So yeah. not everyone's as lucky as us, I guess, to be able to stay at home if we need to. Yeah. I was talking to my neighbor yesterday who's a um, school principal, and he was saying that he was, um, he was talking about the comment that uh, Palliser made about, well, it's already June, so we don't, we're not going to really worry about opening the schools and just a very... Um, just a very off-the-cuff comment, which would make sense to me. But he piped in and said, um, people don't realize that's a safe place for a lot of kids, and that's a place where they're going to get fed and they're going to get uh, nourished, um, you know, both with, with food and attention, and it's a safe place. So even if they could go back for two weeks for some kids, that uh, would make a huge difference, yeah. No, it's true, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the camps, um, because of course there's, I think they're restricted to maybe, is it 12 or 15 kids? Yeah, 16, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And how are you going to do that? Right. Because yeah, the WAG has summer camps. We're working on it right now to figure out how we can 
how we can maintain. Um, we were able to launch our, we have um, art classes that are um, in partnership with the Winnipeg School Division and Seven Oaks for, for kids and including some who are um, uh, less fortunate. And um, so we're, we're still launching those videos online. So it's just whether you've got access to a computer and can um, participate that way. But yeah, it's a, it's a tricky time. I know in summertime too. And even does the Human Rights Museum run any uh, summer programs for you? Well, we usually do. I don't think we're going to be contemplating that kind of thing this year. For you know, we'll yeah. be thinking more just about getting visitors in in general. And then the other thing is, even if we did make them available, would people come? So you have to balance all of those kind of considerations. Yeah. No, it's hard because I don't think most people will be going away on a summer vacation. I mean, uh, there's going to be a lot of people, right? Uh, Charlotte here in the city and you know um, I was uh, just listening to what uh, Susie was saying first of all I wanted to add and Kirsten about the mental health piece that you know you do what's comfortable for you and your family and and make sure you don't hold any judgment to others around you um, because there's you know, for somebody like in Susie's family, where there's a compromised um, member, she has to be so respectful of, you know, what she does and supporting who lives with her. And, uh, and that's such a big piece that will play out for the whole summer. Um, I, I was uh, talking about the traveling and, and for me back and forth, because uh, my second home is in, in uh, Kenora and a lot of my um, friends, because my partner lives in Kenora, they're asking me what's going on there, what's going on there. Um, none of the marinas are open. There's no way to get gas. So even if you could sneak off to your cottage, you can't get your boat, you can't pick up your boat and you can't put gas in it. So, um, and they don't know when that's going to change. So for a lot of people that their cottage is their self care too, and part of, you know, their holiday and totally different. So mm -hmm. very thankful. Um, I don't have a cottage on an Island or I'd be contemplating swimming to it, but, uh, or canoeing, you know, but yeah, it's yeah. going to be, very interesting and and you know what I'll just go back to another thing that Susie was talking about um, Kirsten and I and Robin talk a lot about mental health being on a continuum from you know having really good days to not so great days everybody has mental health and the one thing that we and Susie was touching on a little bit is just the only thing we can control is ourselves and you know what is going on now and if you can focus somewhat on that so you're not playing those uncertainties where you're having those incredible sw swings between oh my god to i'm really kind of enjoying this moment by myself or with my family so uh yeah i just uh lots going on um and then one other point is in our peer support we do peer support online peer support for peer supporters and yesterday's call we had people from all over canada um you know nova scotia uh, you know and and bc and all these different stages of what the different provinces are doing and you know and the continual feel of i'm not i feeling safe to go back to work or i'm not feeling safe or you know things aren't in place and then just really supporting people for making that choice that they're okay with those feelings and you know and and let's figure out how how to support you best going forward with your job so i don't know i can talk all day about mental health so. <laughs> Well, that's a big thing. And you know what, going forward and getting us into helping us readjust, um, we're all going to need a little bit of help. But uh, 
you know what, thank you so much, ladies, for joining this conversation. It's just so good to see you, but also to hear hear what you're going through too. And I think if we can, you know, we're gonna continue this for now, because obviously we're still staying at home and not going anywhere. Um, but I just encourage you like to join in. Like on Thursday, we're celebrating moms. So I hope that all of you can bring a story about your mom, maybe a picture, love to see her, or actually I just tell or give her, invite her, you can send her the Zoom link and she can she can sign in and join in the conversation, that'd be awesome. So um, really look forward to seeing you all on Thursday too as well. Thank you so much, Kelly and Maureen and Catherine. Um, Thank you, Tracy. We can hardly wait to support you all. Oh, and by the way, Kelly and, and Catherine, um, and maybe Maureen, I might have an idea. Maybe my summertime. I like ideas. Yeah, I know you like ideas. Um, but, uh, yes, as a treat, maybe a tribute to the volunteers. And then, um, we need a big space so we can social distance. But uh, yeah. Hey, I can't I, wait I to hear it. Okay. Well, I'll be in touch. I've got plenty of time. <laughs> All right. Thank Thanks so much. Well. Thank you, Charlotte. Okay, bye, everyone. Right. And thank you, Susie. Thanks, Tracy. Okay. Bye-bye. Stay safe. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of ilikeyou.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.